Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's the Mizzou edition, and we're coming to you from Hoover, Alabama, site of SEC Media Days. Todd Palmer is here. Todd covers the Tigers for the Kansas City Star. So am I, Blair Kirkhoff. And it was an eventful day, Missouri's day at SEC Media Day. Not, not exactly eventful in the way you expected, though. No, it, it, it was going to be eventful under any circumstance because it's a big deal. It, it, SEC Media Days is a huge deal. I mean, it's the biggest of the media days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the annual preseason, like, blitzkrieg where, like, everyone's here. I, there's over a 1,000 media that are credentialed for this event, and it was going to be Barry Odom's first time. And so, regardless, today was going to be a dynamite day. It was also... It should have been a day, a chance for Charles Harris to get some shine um, and get some some preseason love from exactly. from not only us and we're of course gonna gonna give him love because he's a Kansas City kid and a wonderful kid and a great ball player and yeah pro- probable first round pick in next uh, you know the next April's draft but blow all that up because uh, uh, shortly after we met privately the the, the media that cover Barry Odom. Um, and before he took this main stage to speak with everyone, Mac Rhodes... Uh, the, the news gets out. That, that Mac Rhodes is leaving Missouri for Baylor. I, w- I was stunned by that. I, I think everybody was stunned. I, um, uh, not just you know, the reporters in the room, but I actually ran into Bill Hancock, who's the executive director of the college uh, football playoff, and his jaw hit the ground when he heard the news. Everybody was just... Just stunned by it, and for for good reason. Uh, first of all, Mac Mac's been on the job in Columbia for fourteen months, a little bit less than fifteen. Yeah. So there, there's that aspect, and the fact that he's leaving Missouri, which has had its issues um, before Mac and during Mac Rhodes' time for Baylor, which has unbelievable issues. Yeah, I mean, Baylor's a nuclear situation right yep, now. Toxic. And uh, you know, if anybody's been as, as anybody's been following sports and especially college sports knows the um, you know, the the sexual assaults, the the the, the problems uh, that that uh, that created a situation in Baylor where football coach Art Bryles was fired, uh, the president um, and uh, you know, athletic directors uh, are, are gone. It was just a you know a, a, a really bad situation at Baylor, and into that situation steps Mac Rhodes. What did we see this coming at at all? You know, what, what were were there any hints out there that this could happen? I mean, there were there were some suggestions to me in the past that that um, maybe Mac was was unhappy and was looking around. Look, he didn't sign his contract for almost a full year. True. Um, so he kind of had one foot out the door, uh, or one foot in and one foot still kind of out. I, I think that probably, I don't think the protest itself was an issue as much as the guys that hired him uh, were no longer in power. And so that always creates a problematic situation when you no longer have an Arbo and Lofton and a Tim Wolf who signed off on, on your hire. You don't know what kind of vision the other guys are have right now. You've got some interim guys who've been in place for for eight months now. Um, you know, so it, it's it's a really weird situation. I know that Texas approached Mac Rhodes about um, that job when Delos Dodds left, but Mac hadn't been on the job very long, 
and wasn't inclined to, to uproot his family and move on again when that job came open. And, and he had told me that, you know, he kind of wanted to put it out there that no, he wasn't unhappy and he wasn't planning on going anywhere. Um, but I mean, obviously something changed, um, in the last, you know, six months, 10 months. Right. Um, and, but you know, even back in April when he met with reporters to talk about the first tumultuous year, he always struck a, a tone of, uh, you know, about his long-term vision. I mean, and, and that was, you know, he was, he came in, he was billed a, a, as a fundraiser, a consensus builder and, and a guy with tremendous vision. And, and he, he still fit that bill, I think, um, during his tenure. So what's unclear to me is whether he just wanted to go back to Texas, whether Baylor threw an obscene amount of money at him uh, because of the situation that they're in and because obviously Waco being being in the southern part of Texas there, Mac Rhodes' name resonates with the job he was able to do in Houston right. uh, when he was the athletic director there. You know, they, they made some substantial facilities upgrades uh, in, in at the University of Houston when he was there. Football, baseball, basketball all returned to relevance and even prominence in some cases thanks to the hires that Mac Rhodes made. So uh, I can see why there's a lot of appeal there, and I can see why the the turmoil at Missouri with the leadership right now makes it an unattractive job. But now it really leaves Missouri in a lurch. Well, it does. Let me go back to something you just said, though. I um, I, I don't... I, I guess I don't fully understand the appeal uh, of the Baylor job to anybody, uh, including Mac Rhodes, who is a Texan, uh, who is going back to his home state, who does, um, you know, espouse the values, the Christian values, and so th- there, there is that. But, but Baylor, you know, I, you know, you you cover Missouri, and the Star covers Missouri, but I spent a lot of time in the Big Twelve as well. And just looking at, at sort of the landscape of the Big 12 right now, Baylor football is going to take a step back. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's ever going to be where it has been in the past couple of years. They're, they're, I think, 50-15 and 15 over the last five years. An incredible run for Baylor. Um, the, the men's basketball and women's basketball programs are, are top-notch. I mean, they're nationally ranked every year. The non-revenue sports are in, are in good shape at Baylor. But football, I think takes a step back. The reputation of the university could not be any worse than it is right now. I mean, you don't, you know, it's the second time in 13 years Baylor has fired its president, athletic director, and head coach because of a major scandal. Sure, yeah. And I, I just, I, I'm looking forward to the Mac Rhodes press conference in Waco to find out what was <laughs> kind of what's in his heart when it comes to, when it comes to this job. Well, and, and... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what rationale he gives for leaving. What I would say, though, about the Baylor job is that uh, it's a dumpster fire right now, but they just built the new palatial... It's a wonderful stadium. I've been to that stadium. It's fantastic. Named for, uh, you know, McLean, who's the, you know, the, the owner of the Houston Astros and... But, but we, what we don't know about Baylor right now is what kind of NCAA trouble they may be in. Or do, are they going to self-impose some, you know, some sanctions? Remember when the basketball team got in all kinds of trouble, but 13, 14 years ago, um, they, that was the, the, the first year out of that. The self-imposed sanction for them was to not play any non-conference games. They were, they were an embarrassment for, you know, for a few years. Scott Drew came in and got the, the program up and going. I, I don't... You know, I, I don't know what state the football program is going to be in when all this shakes out. And 
you know, recruits are bailing on them left and right. In fact, there's a there's a real sense that Texas is the big beneficiary. University of Texas is the big beneficiary of um, you know of the Baylor decline. Uh, recruits that were committed to Baylor are now decommitting and going to you know, hooking up with Texas. So, okay, so that's you know, that's what Mac Rhodes is going to deal with when he when he gets the Baylor job. Well, I also think you're right. We don't know what the NCAA is going to do, but. You know, Tom Herman is is an up and comer, and Mac Rhodes has a relationship. Hired him there at Houston. I know that there was some reluctance on his part uh, ten months after asking his assistants to come to Houston with him to leave some of them behind and come to Missouri, which is why he wasn't really a candidate uh, in December after Gary Pinkle left. But give it another year or two, um, and Baylor could certainly throw more money at a guy like Tom Herman, who has a reputation uh, for impeccable integrity and off-the-charts intelligence, uh, like Mensa level, (laughs) like, you know, like, what did he just say? Like, you know, intelligence. So I think that, you know, I can see that being a good marriage there, um, you know, and so it's impossible to predict what's going to happen, but we've seen in the past that, unfortunately, some of these situations in the end don't end up being quite as dire um, as you might expect going into it. Um, right. So, I, I mean, look, who, who thought Art Bryles was going to do what he did when he went there? Um, so I don't think it's impossible to think that Baylor could do something. But the other thing is, Mac, if, Mac Rhodes, if he goes there and, and the football team stinks for three or four years, well, he's, he's got an out clause because of what happened prior to his arrival. Definitely a grace period sure. at Baylor. And then... If, however, he, you know, let's say he's able to get a Tom Herman or somebody like that, and, and he's able to to keep the program from falling off the precipice, you know, well, then he's he's a savior in Texas, and 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 Texas is a pretty good place to be a savior with the kind of money they can throw around down there. You know, that's that's actually a pretty good point. You think um, you think about where Missouri is right now, where the athletic program is. Men's basketball is really in a you know in a mm-hmm. hole, and. Uh, and Kim Anderson, I think, needs a, you know, a, a, a much better year in year three to, to maintain his job. And, and Barry Odom is a, you know, a first-year, first-time, first-year head coach uh, taking over a program that went five and seven last year was, was disappointing. I mean, you, you know, even with Baylor's football program in, in um, kind of a state of, uh, of uncertainty, uh, they, you know, at least in terms of where they, where they stand in their conference, could be better off at Baylor right now than the where Missouri is in the SEC. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let me so let me ask you this. Um, we we touched on the protests in November, and and uh, and of course that was all new to Mac Rhodes and um, new to everybody. It was, and and you know how you know in a, almost an impossible situation to deal with. Um, For what it's worth, Charles Harris told me today that he was he was happy with the way that Mac Rhodes handled that situation. Now I've heard some other people say that they weren't that he kind of bullied his way through that situation. But I'm not sure what recourse he and Gary Pinkle legitimately had when you consider constitutional issues, being at a public university, and and being required by law as as, you know, publicly funded servants, you know, employees of the state, they're required by law to uphold the Constitution, which means that they can't just come in and tell the kids to shut up and play football. There, that opens them up to a massive civil rights lawsuit. On top of that, if you show callous disregard to your black student athletes in that situation and their concerns, 
legitimate concerns in their mind, whether you agree with what they what with their feelings or not, they absolutely were legitimate concerns in the minds of Charles Harris and Ian Simon and Anthony Sherrills and the kids that were willing to stick their neck out on the line like Jamon Moore. So you can't shut it down. And and if you do, how are you ever going to walk into a, another young black man's living room in Houston or in Nashville or in Jacksonville and look that kid in the eye and be able to sell him and his parents that you actually have his best interest in mind and, and that you know coming to Missouri is a safe place and a place where they're going to take care of you. I I really they were the, the way it was handled maybe maybe there could have been other ways to handle it. But once the players announced the protest on that Saturday, Gary Gary Pinkle and Mac Rhodes were painted into a corner from which the only way to get out of it was to embrace it and to try to manage it from that point forward. And I think they did that. I, I think they did what they had to do in the circumstances. Well, and certainly from a, from a football standpoint, it turned out fine. They missed what, whatever workout time they missed, but, but, the, game got, but the game got played. Sure. Uh, yeah. And that was the threat. You know, let's, we're not going to play the game at Arrowhead against BYU this week if, if it had gone through. Okay, so, so he has to deal with that in situation. I think the next maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the next big situations for him was End of the men's basketball season. Well, first there was a self-imposed sanctions in January for the basketball to, to, program. Before we get to the end of the season. Yeah. That, that's yeah. right. Had to deal with that. And, of course, that was – it wasn't – I don't know if it was a bombshell, but it was, you know, wow. It, it, it was bad. I it, mean, it, it was. I, I don't really think it reflects poorly on Mac, though, because – No, no, absolutely not. You know, the investigation started under Mike Alden right. and related to – most of it, not all of it, but most of it had to do with things from, from Frank Hayes' time there. Now, the Jakeen and Gant internship actually took place while uh, Kim Anderson was in charge. But again, it, it all still, all of it still predated Mac Rhodes' time. Um, and so I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can put that on him. Okay. And, and again, I, I think they did a good job getting out in front of, uh, of that, you know, and trying to clear the way, you know, to, to help. The best thing they could have done in that situation to help the program rebound was to eat one of the scholarships and eat the postseason ban in a year that was already lost anyway. And, and people say, oh, well, you know, why would the NCAA allow that? Well, it's because they forfeited the money from the SEC conference tournament and they forfeited their share of money from the NCAA tournament. And so from the NCAA standpoint, it's not the, it's not the ineligibility to play in a postseason game that matters as much as the financial penalty that Missouri incurred. So I think that the NCAA is going to accept that. And so in some ways, that was actually a pretty savvy move to jump the gun and not wait for the NCAA, which we thought that the final investigation would be out in May. Here we are sitting here in mid-July at SEC Media Days, and the NCAA still hasn't released its findings. So that was actually a good move because assuming that the NCAA doesn't come back and it would be unprecedented in my mind for them to come back and demand another year of a postseason ban for level one and level two infractions like what Missouri's accused of. Um, I think it was a smart idea because it it keeps it allowed Missouri to recruit this year. Now it, it was it sucked for Ryan Rossberg right. who didn't get to play, but moving forward it was the best thing for the university. So I think that there was some there was some savvy there that, that maybe people don't understand or appreciate or appreciate. Yeah. Okay, so that gets them to the end of the regular season. As you said, they can't get they can't play in the postseason, and so the decision <laughs> at that point is two years into Kim Anderson, two three and thirteen finishes in conference play or three and fifteen finishes in conference play. 
Um, the two worst seasons since the Bob Venata years at Mizzou. Does he bring uh, Kim Anderson back for a third year? I guess that's not the right, right way to phrase it because Kim had the contract. Does he fire Kim Anderson after the second year? He does not. And there were some Missouri fans that were upset about that, thought yeah. this was the time to, to begin anew in the men's basketball program. What do you think about that decision? I, I really – I throw out year one of Kim Anderson. Um, the situation he inherited was exceedingly poor, and I don't believe that any coach could have succeeded under those circumstances. So I, I think in some ways you, you, you have to disregard that. Um, and so now you look at moving forward – um, the roster, there were still a few holdovers, but the roster was basically Kim's last year. And they tanked again. And and that, to me, is 100% on Kim. Kim's got to wear last season. I don't think he has to wear the first year. Uh, I, you could have brought in John Calipari. Uh, and unless he brought the recruits with him, <laughs> nothing was changing there. I mean, you could have dug up John Wood and you know, reanimated him. And it wasn't going to make a difference during the 2014-2015 season. Missouri was just going to take that one on the chin. You could have made a case for firing Kim Anderson. 19-44 and 44 and 6-30 and 30 and arguably the worst basketball conference in the country is a fireable offense in today's day and age. It, you, it can, you can justify it. However, Kim is a revered icon at the University of Missouri. If you fire him at under, it, with the, only those two years when he hasn't really had a chance to get any time with his own group of players, I don't think it would have been fair to Kim Anderson at that point. Now... If you have already decided that, look, based on what we've seen, I don't think Kim can get the job done, and you know that there's a guy out there, whether it was Bryce Drew who ended up going to Vanderbilt or somebody like that who you knew was interested in the Missouri job and you felt more comfortable could lead the program where you want it to be, you can make that decision. But obviously, Kim didn't feel like, or sorry, obviously, Mac didn't feel like there was a slam dunk guy out there that was going to come in and fix everything, so he opted for continuity. Again, you can argue either way about that decision, but I think what he did was the most fair thing to Kim Anderson. Um, and look, at some point when, when you're going to hire coaches, you have to give them a fighting chance. and Or, or it's going to be hard to hire good coaches to sure come in. So you, there's a lot more things to consider when you're sitting in that athletic, athletic director's seat than the fact that they went 3-15 and 15 in the SEC back-to-back years. Again, I think he made the... the a prudent decision in bringing Kim Anderson back for another year. That doesn't mean it's going to work, but I think you look at the recruiting class he brought in, combined with the recruiting class that he brought in the year before, the freshmen that are in there, K.J. Walton, Terrence Phillips, Kevin Perrier, there's reason to believe that this Missouri team is going to take a step forward this year. Will it be enough to get to the NCAA tournament? Probably not. Let's be honest. It's, it's, it's probably not going to be that dramatic of a step. But look, if Frankie Hughes can come in and average 15 a game, I, stranger things have happened in the NCAA. And, and you know, there could a few injuries here or there. Maybe Missouri, you know, can can pull off some sort of miracle. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not predicting that that's going to happen. But I, I think that I don't think there's anything wrong with giving Kim a legitimate shot at his at his alma mater to you know. And look, if he doesn't get it done this year, I, I it, if they if they go 10 and 22 again. I think Kim's probably out um, at this point. Um, but I don't think there was anything wrong with the decision to, to, to let him play out at least one more year to see can he get it done. I agree with, I agree with that. So, <clears throat> so we've, he had his football issue in the, in, in the fall, his men's basketball issue in the winter. We get to spring, 
And there's yet another issue for Missouri. This one was a little bit different. Uh, well, the football thing is totally different, but uh, this one kind of snuck up on on everybody. I don't think anybody saw the the you know the problem that the softball team was having with with Coach Earlywine. And then all of a sudden, on a, was it a Saturday afternoon? The, it was the Saturday of the, the NASCAR race. NASCAR race in Kansas <laughs> at the Kansas Speedway. The, I'll never forget, Blair. <laughs> right? I'll never forget. We were sitting. We were sitting next to each other at Kansas Speedway. But, but yeah, the the the, uh, the players' press release goes up to the softball press box, and what a crazy day that was. Well, and again, Mac took a lot of heat from that, and 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 I, and I don't think it was deserved, quite frankly. Um, you know. The issue stemmed from players who then changed their minds six weeks later, but players complaining to the athletic director about the behavior of a coach. When he gets that email, he is absolutely required to launch an investigation. There's no ifs, ands, or but there's no gray area there. If you have any integrity as as the CEO of Missouri Athletics, if you don't take those allegations seriously and don't investigate them. Now where 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 it turns is when it goes public because the invest well and that's that's not Max deal no Ma- and, and Max, Max had nothing to do it with with right. taking it public the fact of the matter is that that if anything Mac was accused of being overly thorough whether it was the the search for for Gary Pinkle's successor or any number of other things like I've had people tell me that Mac is if anything <laughs> overly thorough. It's no shock then that when it comes to a personnel issue like this that has Title IX implications, because you're talking about a male coach in a female sport, you again, it's no shock that Mac would be overly thorough in that situation. And so the players grew irritated with the fact that this investigation kept dragging on and on. And so they decided to voice their displeasure and to, in some ways, personally attack Mac and put him in the spotlight. And and I really, I thought, considering the seat that he was in and the fact that in the athletic department he clearly carried the bigger stick Max swallowed a lot of pride in that situation he could have come right out suspended early wine immediately like like announced what the what was going on with the investigation and really gone hard after Aaron early wine and even after Aaron sent that text where he makes this tongue-in-cheek reference to if the players don't drop the protest He'll go back, you know, the beatings will resume or something like that. Yes. Max still wore it. I mean, he still wore it. And so maybe maybe you think that that shows weakness on his part or that he's waffling. But I thought that it showed some – it showed that, he one, he wasn't willing to have this debate in public. And, and two, it showed a, a – I don't know if it's maturity or, or – you know, but he, he, was, he was taking a very – uh, measured approach to that situation. He wasn't being reactionary. Right, right. Um, and, and he very much could have been. I mean, he very, very easily could have come out and suspended Aaron Earlywine when some of these things happened before the NCAA tournament. Um, but he didn't. Um, you know, and so I don't know. I, I guess I feel a little bit different about the situation because I some of those situations that he's been criticized for because – I, I try to look at both sides of the coin. I understand that Aaron Earlywine's a beloved figure. I love Aaron Earlywine. Uh, he's a fantastic guy to talk to. Uh, I, I think he's, he's a, a he's a heck of a coach. Yeah, he's, he gets results. Well, and, and you know, I mean, there's there's a lot to love about Aaron Earlywine, but he's rough around the edges. And anybody who knows Aaron, and he, would, would, he admits that. And even Aaron himself would admit that. So, yeah, has he crossed the line in, in some instances? 
honestly, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. And I think the fact that Aaron started seeking counseling and things like that to address some of these problems indicates that maybe even Aaron is beginning to realize that that there is, you know, the old adage, where there's smoke, there's fire, you know. There's certainly been smoke there for a long time. I mean, he got censured last summer by his own national conference over the email flap with the Missouri State softball coach. So this isn't like something new, like like Aaron was just tough on the kids. This has been an ongoing thing with, you know, some – I guess you'd call it questionable behavior on Aaron Early Wayne's part. But I, I don't again, I think Mac, if anything, if he was guilty of anything, it was being overly thorough in his approach to how he was gonna handle this. And some people who didn't necessarily understand it and assumed that it was therefore a witch hunt took exception to it and then really put Mac on blast out in public. And I still don't think that he 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 didn't overreact. And there are a lot of guys who I do not believe would have swallowed their pride like Mac did, especially when it came to the coach of an Olympic sport giving him this much of a headache. Like, I think that he gave Aaron Earlywine and those girls quite a bit of latitude. Um, And, look, deserve some credit for that because nobody wants to work for a boss who's going to fly off the handle and, you know, and and trash you in public constantly. Right. I I think uh, I I totally agree with you that, that the story took a turn that it didn't need to take when the players made it public, absolutely, that, because that—that's that, where—that's where the mistake was made. Not certainly not in the athletic director's office, but by by the players. I hope they learned their kids. I hope they learned a lesson here. Um, but it, so well, because so, here's the thing: if if the players never put it out there that the investigation's going on, and Mac doesn't find any reason to fire. Aaron Earlywine from the investigation, but decides to put him on some sort of social contract, all of that can be done very quietly. And even if you ever tried to do a Sunshine Law request, they'll just say it's covered by personnel issues. You're never going to be able to get it. No one ever would have known that the investigation was even taking place unless someone put it out there or he was fired, at which point... Mac and and Mizzou probably would have felt obligated to explain the rationale behind his firing. But if they had decided to keep Aaron Earlywine, which they clearly haven't found a reason to just fire him, um, which suggests that, you know, there's not a smoking gun there and, and that Aaron may be in the clear on this. But if it doesn't get put out there by the softball team, nobody even knows about the investigation. Exactly, exactly. So... I always said that athletic directors ultimately are measured by their hires, their personnel decisions. And he had two big ones. I mean, he had two big hires. Um, we'll, t- we'll talk about Barry Odom in a second, but he had the baseball. You know, he you know, fired that fi- – I guess fired – Well, that? first he extended Jamison, Jamison last summer. And, and now replaced Jim, Tim Jamison. Yeah. Um, An institution, 22 years at the school. A- absolutely. Um, and I, I really liked Tim Jamison. I was – Stand-up guy. Total stand-up guy. I, I was just saddened that it didn't work out for him in the SEC. Um, it, it's a tough league. It's a tough league for all sports, especially outdoor sports and uh, and baseball. So There's probably no sport that's up against it more than baseball in the SEC. Right. That That's the one that I will honestly be surprised in some ways if Missouri can ever be consistently competitive right. in baseball in that league when you look at LSU and Florida and so many of the schools in the warmer climate states with the facilities they have, the fan support that they have, and the culture around that, 
the baseball team. I mean, LSU is is ridiculous, right, man. Right. Vanderbilt it, it has an incredible program. Missouri's up against it when you've it got, comes to baseball. You've got to be a program that thinks about going to Omaha every year to compete in the SEC. Yeah, you have to be on that level. Absolutely. All right, so so we don't think that's a bad that was a bad personnel move that you know, it, it's might have given him another year, but but look, it, 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 the, I think the time was right to make a move there. Gary Pinkle steps down as a football coach after 15 years, 15 solid seasons. Not all of them, of course, but but a career, a solid career for Gary hey, Pinkle. He's the winningest coach in Missouri history. Absolutely. And for health reasons, he, he steps down. And so that's, you know, whatever happens in the, you know, wherever, whatever happens to Mac Rhodes in the future, he'll, he'll always be remembered for the hire of Barry Odom. It's a huge hire, a huge hire. And it's only been eight months. You know, hasn't played a game. We don't know what it's uh, you know what, what the future holds for Missouri, but as I said at the beginning of this, we're in Hoover. We just talked to Missouri players and, and Barry Odom today, and I could not have been more impressed with those players and with Barry Odom and the way they handled the news of the day. And that says nothing about how they're going to handle. You West know, Virginia. West Virginia in the opener <laughs> at Morgantown at night in a very No, it's hostile, an 11 a.m. game. Thank you for correcting me. Still a hostile environment. Um, but uh, I, I thought they Couches had, on fire and guys <laughs> with muskets, yeah. <clears throat> Friday night will be huge. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, – uh, but I, I was impressed with them today. So Mac Rhodes will be um, – that's – you know, th- that'll be on his calling card is, is the, this, the, the success of, of Barry Odom. Do we think that was the right hire? Do we know? Yeah, yeah I mean, who knows? We, we you know, I mean, know. hindsight will be twenty twenty. But I think if you're judging the hire in the moment, when when the hire was made, I think it was a good move. Again, if you weren't going to get a guy like a Tom Herman, um, you know, who former Ohio, you know, was was the Ohio State offensive Ar- coordinator, the architect of the national championship. Sure, when they won the national title two years ago, and then had an incredible season at Houston last year. Um, if you're not going to be able to lure a guy like that away, a, a, an up and comer, you know, a fast track type guy who you think, you know, is a surefire guy that can take your program to new heights, um, look, I mean, if your options are guys like Sonny Dykes or something like that, absolutely you hire Barry Odom. You know, one, he is an up and comer. The only difference is he doesn't have that year of experience, and you would like to see a guy prove his chops at a lower level, prove that he knows how to put a program together and that he's not going to be overwhelmed, like Kim Anderson. I mean, Kim Anderson, people I think forget now, he won a national championship at the Division II level before he took over. But, you know, everybody seems to think that he's this buffoon who doesn't know how to coach basketball, which isn't fair at all. Now, is he overwhelmed in the SEC I mean, they're they're six and thirty, so yeah. he certainly hasn't come in and, and set the league on fire, uh, and that's why I think you would like to see a coach. Okay, do it at, at the mid major level first. Yeah. But that wasn't an option in the situation they were in. Uh, I think they would have liked to groom Barry Odom for a few more years under Pinkle as a defensive coordinator, and then it's more <laughs> of a transition, uh, like a Kirby Smart going back to Georgia or something like that. Obviously, that would have been ideal. But given the situation. If you believe in Barry Odom, and there's a lot of reasons to believe in Barry Odom, and if you do, do you dare risk that he goes to Memphis, makes them relevant, and then gets cherry picked by, you know, another, another school, another SEC school, and takes them to a national championship when you when he would have 
cut off his leg to be your coach. Yeah. You have so unless there's somebody out there like a Tom Herman or you know if you know if Urban Meyer said you know what I, I've proven what I need to prove at Ohio State I want a new challenge at Missouri okay fine but in terms of realistic candidates. Um, Barry Odom, for me, moves the needle a heck of a lot more than Sonny Dykes or some of the other names that were floated. All right, before we st- before we talk about uh, possible candidates for Mac Rhodes' replacement, let's let's quickly talk about facilities and where those stand. Because that is, that is of course, another – anytime you read an athletic director's biography and a media guy, that's, facilities are always you know, pretty high on that, uh, in that uh, narrative. Uh, where does it stand at, at Missouri? Well, there, there's some significant challenges there. I mean – I don't think that, again, what I think is a prudent decision by Mac Rhodes was that he was not gung-ho about building on more seats and increasing the capacity at Memorial Stadium. Now, there's some pressure to do that because of Alabama and LSU and some of the places that have 100,000 plus, but he rightly so said, hey, why don't we sell out the stadium we've got before we look at increasing capacity? which is too logical for some fans to digest, I think. But it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know. And so they started targeting, well, what areas can we improve on? And I think they had kind of settled on expanding the Matsy and adding a full-length practice facility. That, that is huge. People don't understand how important that is, a 100-yard football practice facility. Because the one at Divine right now is 70 yards with two plus two end zones. Right. So it's 30 yards short of a full practice facility. It, it absolutely is something that Missouri needs to do. It's important in recruiting. Absolutely. That, that's the thing. A recruit will come in there and you know they'll go to the, the large practice facilities in the, in the SEC and then come to Missouri's and see a less than optimal situation there. And that makes a difference to some kids. Yeah. And, and, and so that became the priority. Um, and, and I think that was a smart thing. And that became his number one priority because I think he realizes that they've already got Mizzou Arena, the other – you know, the other bus driver, if we want to quote Rex Hudler, uh, in the Mizzou Athletic Department is the football team. So you, you take care of, of the folks who butter your bread, um, you know, but they look, the Hearn Center needs to be addressed. It, it is it is a, a, a it is a utility suck. Um, it takes up a lot of space, um, you know, and, and so they they probably need to come up with. A, a third arena of some kind to go along with Memorial Stadium and Mizzou Arena that can host volleyball and wrestling and things like that. First of all, those programs deserve it with with the success that they've had and the notoriety a guy like a Jaden Cox yeah. brings to your program. Because let's be honest, if it weren't for Jaden Cox, Mizzou wouldn't have anything to be to be crowing about in the last year. Really, I mean, you know, I mean, thank goodness for Jaden Cox. And so, you know, Brian Smith's program deserves, you know, a nice new digs. And although he loves the space he's got at the Hearn Center, right, right. Um, but still, it, something's got to be done there. That needs to be addressed. You know, the softball stadium—that's another program that deserves yep. to be shown some love, and they're being shown some love now. That project started under Alden. Um, you know, talk about renovating. Uh, at the time when it was Gary Pinkle and Mike Alden, it was the South End Zone Complex, and that changed under Mac Rhodes. Um, you know, but ultimately, I don't think he'll ever get credit if they build, the, if they ex- renovate or tear down and rebuild the Matsy and add that full length facility there. But that's, you know, because Alden had talked about that being something he wanted to do too, although he was prioritizing the South End Zone complex. You know, I, I don't think Mack will ever get credit as part of his legacy for pushing the, the 
full-length indoor practice facility ahead of it in the pecking order and, and getting it up and running. But there's no doubt that that, that was um, something that, that, you know, that Mac did during, during this time. And, and that's not to say that, that Mac hasn't made mistakes. Um, you know, I mean, I think that obviously um, he could have handled the boycott situation and even the softball protests better. He talked a lot about transparency, but he wasn't always forthcoming about, you know, about everything. And he wasn't always as accessible as he promised, though he was fairly accessible as far as high-ranking uh, administrators in, in modern Power Five conferences go. Um, so I'm not saying that he was he was faultless or, or blameless, but ultimately I don't think he had enough time to make it any kind of significant impact. And, and it's unfortunate because I think that he's a sharp guy, and I think he would have done good things with the athletic program. Well, so but we'll we'll know uh, again with the, the success or the failure of his hires. Yeah. Whether that that'll that'll be part of his resume. I think we can con- conclude though in the in the fourteen or fifteen months he was at Missouri, no great failures. Um, handled uh, crises, okay. I mean, he, you know, again, situations that are unique, and Un- unprecedented, uh, yeah. and and fl- volatile, right? Uh, you know, and just they need to be handled delicately, and and they're the type of things to me that uh, you 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 grow by experience, and he had he had experiences in his time at Missouri that would have made him a stronger. You know, more powerful athletic director, but it won't happen at Missouri. No, uh, it no. Won't ha- but I, I think Baylor's better off for it. Yeah, look, I, um, I, I think I, I don't know what kind of job Mac Rhodes is going to do at Baylor because I don't know what kind of job that is right now yeah. at Baylor. Uh, time will tell. All right, so that brings us to the future of Missouri uh, uh, athletic administration and. The school without um, a president, a chancellor, um, an athletic director, and, um, and and a first-year head football coach uh, needs some leaders. Who are we looking at as uh, some potential future leaders of the athletic department at Missouri? You and I have talked about this a little bit earlier in the day. Um, Ren Baker, we know, is is the interim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ren has does have experience as an assistant athletic director and at, at the Division One level. De- deputy he's, athletic He's deputy director. at Missouri. And, <laughs> and, and was at Memphis. And, and, and Memphis, that's right. And now he is the, uh, or, or a, formerly the athletic director at Northwest Missouri State. And Rogers State And Rogers in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, that's right. But uh, the Division Two football power uh, up in Maryville. So uh, I think he would be a candidate for, you know, for, the, for the job on a permanent basis. Who else are we looking at? Well, I mean, the, the, the name that is on the tip of a lot of people's tongues is Whit Babcock, um, who was a lieutenant under Mike Alden and now, of course, is the Virginia Tech athletic director. Uh, I look at Whit Babcock, though, and I say, why? Like, if you're sitting at Virginia Tech, you know, unless you see a train coming, like, I, I don't know why you would leave that situation um, that's a destination. I think that's a destination. It's a big enough job. You don't need to be chasing. You're, you don't need to be chasing money or prestige right. somewhere else. Another name that I think would fall into that category is Ross Bjork, another uh, you know guy that was groomed by Alden, that was on all the lists when Alden retired about guys they could go after. But he's at Mississippi now. I guess the question is. You know, Mississippi's another program that's under fire. Dealing with its own uh, baggage. Yeah, I mean, you you know, with everything that, that came out with Laramie Tunstall or Tunstall and 
and and the issues that the football program's having there, and the fact that look, some of their minor sports are in worse shape. Not baseball, but some of their other Olympic sports and and even basketball to an extent are are in worse shape than Missouri's. You know, I mean, maybe if he's looking for a change because he's he's fed up with with you know what's going on down there. But again, you're when you're talking about those guys, you're talking lateral move at best. Um, you know, and and I don't know that especially until a chancellor and system president are in place at Missouri, no one that is sitting in a seat like Whip Babcock or Ross Bjork in their right mind would jump into the seat at Missouri without knowing who his bosses are going to be. Right. So I think, I think the first thing is this is going to be a long, a long and arduous time here before they can come up with anybody. Um, and then you've also got Sarah Baumgartner right. uh, at, uh, at Rutgers. Long time, um, long time. Uh, spent a spent a very long time at the University of Missouri, yep. and she's now the associate AD for development up at Rutgers. Um, has some ties, um, and so you know, I, I I think that those guys are there. If you want to talk about other former, uh, if you want to talk about other former Alden T- guys who who've gone on to to do big things, Mario Mochia, who was at Southern Illinois and is now at New Mexico State. You know, and that's a program where the football team is dropping down to one double A, things like that. But it's also his alma mater, and you know, and it's also his home. And maybe he, maybe he'd be looking to make a move. But again, you, you know, no, nobody in their right mind is jumping into this situation right now. I mean, I, I feel bad for Ren that he's got to be the yeah. interim while all this mess is still going on because the campus is in such chaos still. <laughs> it is. Uh, John Sunvold's another name that we. We've mentioned. Yeah, and he, he's, he's a, one of the three curators that was appointed for a June to January term. Right. And we'll see whether when the new governor of Missouri is elected in November and, and the Senate takes over, you know, convenes in January, whether whether I would assume Sunvold would be a safe choice to remain as a curator. But, you know, he may be an AD candidate as well. You know, with um, with the, the, the just the, the stunning development of... Um, you know, with Mac Rhodes leaving, do you think Missouri would be inclined to hire somebody with Missouri background or Missouri ties? Would that be important? They talked about going on a national, you know, search, and you have to say that you have to you have to do that actually. Um, but uh, I, I'm just wondering if if now is not the time to look for somebody who sees Missouri as their final stop. Well, Mac Rhodes said that he wanted to retire in Columbia and that he considered Missouri a destination job, and 15 months later he's gone. So, um, you know, I mean, that was a big part of the appeal of hiring Kim Anderson, um, and that hasn't worked out the first two years, That's just right. 10 years. So it's not a slam dunk to say that Whit Babcock would be the savior or Ross Bjork would be the savior of the athletic department. I think what's important is to find a guy who... Or a woman. Or woman, correct. Or... A dog. Um, I would look. My, I'd go with a man or a woman. Yeah, but look, my dog that passed away last month was, was an incredible soul, and I would have voted for him for president over Hillary or Donald Trump. So I might you know, have too. You know, so depending on who the other candidates for the position are, especially you know if you're trying to hire someone before the chancellor's in place, you know maybe my dog would be a, a fitting candidate. Um, and I could certainly use the money if you're listening, board of curators, but. Yeah, I mean, I think what's important is to find a guy who, who understand they has to understand the state at least a little bit, um, but they've almost got to be a do everything kind of guy because fundraising is a challenge in Missouri. 
uh, attendance and things like that, rallying your fan base to get people to come from St. Louis and Kansas City that are 90 minutes to two hours away is a challenge to engage the fans that you do have. Understanding the dichotomy between the cities and the rural community, yeah. which is completely different, you know, uh, understanding... As voting records will attest. Ab- absolutely. I, I mean, I think one of the critical things is to understand the loyalty that exists in some of those good old-fashioned Midwestern values. Like, you have to be tuned into that. Because that's one thing that I think transcends the rural parts of the state and the city. I, I think that Missouri people, by and large, value loyalty above above all else in some cases. So you've got to find a guy that, that is considered loyal. Um and, and quite honestly, though, I mean, some of this falls on the, the coaches and, and, and the, the other people in place at Missouri to, you know, and some of the things that are going on on campus to avoid having these, you know, critical mass situations come up all the time. Because right now, you look at the last three to five years at Missouri, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to think of anybody who could have navigated those waters without getting burned. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been a as you know, as somebody who covers Missouri and is on the beat on a daily basis, it is one adventure after another. Maybe Mike Alden wants the job back. Maybe. He's young <laughs> enough. So All right, so listen, uh, we we've been yammering for a while here. We're gonna bring it in for a landing. Um I don't. I don't. No timetable for this. I, I don't know when. Uh, I don't, I'm sure they'd love to have somebody by the beginning of the of the school year, but I don't even know if that's. It's not possible. That's not possible. It's not possible. I, I think at this point you're hoping by the end of the semester. Right. Right. And um, even then, that might be a stretch. And I, I think Missouri's in good hands with Ren Baker, the interim. Yeah. So they, I think they can get through a, a, a football season uh, with Ren if he's not the if he's not the permanent guy. So. Uh, thank you very much for, for listening to, to Todd Palmer. Follow his coverage, his daily coverage of the Missouri Tigers in the uh, print editions of the Kansas City Star online at KansasCity.com. And thanks for listening to Sports Beat KC.